Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes. All right. Well, welcome back to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about all the various ways you can make your next fundraising event better. And we have a super special guest this week. We've got Lauren Batterby from Life Event Staffing joining us. And in the studio here, I've got Elise Druckenmiller. Happy to see everybody again. Who's super excited about this topic. I'm Jeff Porter from Hambid. And we are going to dive into, well, I guess since we have Lauren from Life Event Staffing, I think we're going to talk about event staffing. What Sounds do you think? great. We can talk about something else. You want to talk about the Broncos, Lord? No, you don't want to talk about the Broncos. Oh, please, <laughs> please don't rope me into American They're sport of any type. You win. <laughs> <laughs> you win. <laughs> I know when we call them all by different names and it makes no sense. I get it. You know. I, I don't and even that, know that's which a, ball a, you use for different ones. Like that's where you're going to start. Well, in football, we use a football. <laughs> that one's shaped. <laughs> but like you this. call that you call football a different. That's what exactly. that's our soccer is your football. So I get it. You're thinking, yeah, football's round, and you guys throw this like uh-huh. rugby looking thing. I I think yeah. it's called football. Maybe football. Is that your attempt at a British accent? Yeah. Or How do I do, stick with Lord's. <laughs> 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 Well, I tell you what, I just enjoy listening to you talk. So we're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Uh, okay, so just tell us a, <laughs> tell us a little bit about life event staffing, and, and I think even more generally before that, like how did you get into this concept of event staffing in the first place? So give us a little history of yourself and your company. Okay, no problem. Let's go way back. So um, I was looking for work at the time, and a recruiter came to me. And said, this has just come up, gave me the job description and it sounded great. I was like, I want to be an event manager. I want to be an event planner. That's what I want to be doing. That's exactly what it is. I ticked all the boxes until it said tech savvy. And I was like, oh no, 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 that's not, that's not the role for me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go. Um, the recruiter said, fine, not a problem, find something else. He then said, the company have come back to me and said, they really, really want to talk to you. Um, and they want to explain a bit more to you about what they mean by tech savvy. And I was like, okay, and that's still not something that I'm into. Anyway, it was GiveSmart that called me back and told me exactly what they meant by tech savvy. And that was basically, can you use an iPad or an, or an Android phone, Apple or an Android phone? And I said, well, yes, of course, I, I have both. And they said, okay, great, come in for an interview. It was as simple as that. That was all they needed in the term tech savvy. And then I must have been with them three, four years before they were acquired by Gibbergee. Gibbergee UK bought out GiveSmart UK, which then became no more. Um, a lot of my friends, colleagues moved over to Gibbergee and they did hold me back and say, hey, we still have GiveSmart US and we're looking for an operations manager to a lot of the staffing and logistics for nationwide across the across the US. I think at the time, about 2016, 2017, they were doing about 350 events staffed for a year. 
I moved over here to be based out of Atlanta, where their head office was, and then they were acquired by community brands what, about eight months later or something. So again, I've got the t-shirt. I've been acquired twice within 12 months. Um, again, survived. It was. It did, again, work very well in the favor of GiveSmart and all of us there. And um, yeah, I became a regional operations manager and the staff expanded as they took over Gesture and 501 Auctions as well. So we went from a pool of about 300, I don't know, let's say 150 staff to more like 450 staff when all the staff came together. And I worked across the South and the and the Northeast. Then the pandemic hit. Wow. Same as everyone's yeah. story. So I'd gone from managing a team of about 200 staff in that region to suddenly none. Because, of course, there was no on-site events. They were the ones that were let go. Again, community brands treated me particularly well. They put us all in different roles. But unfortunately, that just wasn't for me. That was what I knew. The staffing, the logistics, the on-site, the training. And, yeah, as everyone was at a bit of a loss during those those few years. Anyway, um, I actually moved away from community brands. I went to work for another mobile bidding company, which was going great. Then I was approached by the same person that rang me to explain what tech savvy actually meant back in the UK what, eight years previously and said, hey, like we need you again. This was Give a G US now who they were and he said we're struggling with on-site staff and we know you know on-site staff he's like agencies just can't cut it unfortunately the staff that we're sending out just aren't experienced enough in our industry to be able to then train on the technology and then help us deliver the events so I decided yeah, actually, I do have this little black book of all these fantastic people that that I know. So I rounded up about 40 across the US and we did our first season staffing Give a G events. And what, what I was trying to promote at the time was, I suppose, can you teach an old dog new tricks? So we had all the underlying experience, but did we have, could we be trained them on a new technology? And again, as it turns out, we could. We had a very successful season and I thought, okay, I might put the word out on the street that this might be a model that, that we can work with. I have these auction trained staff. Can you train them on your technology and can we help you deliver your events in the same manner? And that is where we've, we've grown to. So we are now two and a half years later of life event staffing and we are 750 staff um, last count across the US and Canada. Awesome. Wow. That sounds like a lot of paperwork. Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> 750 staff. You know what? I had a call this morning with an event planner. She was like, no, this is great. You're doing everything, but nobody else wants to do. I went, oh, thank you. Yes. yes. Lucky me. <laughs> yeah. There is some truth in that. That is for sure. But like what you, what you bring up, I think, and I, think, I don't want to gloss over what you said because I think it's really important. You said that you know, and, and again, you know, we're, we're friendly with a lot of our competitors and we know the Givergy folks. And I, and I definitely understand their dilemma, right? Which is we're struggling with other types of agencies to provide staff because what became popular, 
right, for a period of time was you have a lot of charities out there and they're demanding, hey, we need help. Right. We need like volunteers are hard. They're unreliable. There's a, you know, they're, they're not skilled enough, whatever it might be. Right. So we need you to help provide us staff to come run our check in or help us with our paddle raise or do our checkout. And these events are all over the place. And so mobile bidding companies started looking at agencies to provide staff, same type of agency that might check your ticket at the door at a basketball game. Right. Right. Or, you know, that might be, to your point, <laughs> flipping the Chick-fil-A sign on the street corner telling you. In the you, cow costume. In the cow costume, right? <laughs> so these people come to your event, but do they really, They maybe they watch some training videos on your software, but do they really know how to run an event? Do they really understand how to check in a guest? Do they really know how to make things run efficiently? Can they guide a charity to, you know, I think streamline right, and make their event better? A lot of times they're... In, in a lot of cases, those temp agencies, staffing agencies who check the ticket or flip the sign and then the next day are at some professional fundraising event, um, it's no different than having a volunteer that knows just as much or just as little in a lot of cases. Right. And you're paying. A lot. A lot. I mean, they're not cheap, right? And you don't know what you're going to get. So we explored this. So when we got started in this business back in 2011, 2012 timeframe, you know, and we were looking at kind of the same model. We went out and hired a staffing agency. So we, we just have to try it. Like, we don't really understand what's going to happen. So we're just going to give it a shot. And I don't remember who we used, but it was, you know, it was that, that manpower type of organization, you know, shift gig type of thing. And so we went out there, we hired two staff, we sent them to an event. And the feedback we got back, you know, basically the following Monday was our staff knew more than your staff about how your software worked. And so we were really unimpressed and we want our money back on your staff. And so we refunded the money on the staff and said, okay, this model isn't going to work for us because if I'm going to charge, gosh, even back then, Lauren, $500 per person per night, 600, 700, it's it's considerably more than that now. Um, But back then, I mean, that was the thing. It's like, I can't, I don't feel like I could ethically charge you $500 to send somebody to your event who hasn't had any experience using our software. So we kind of ditched that model and decided instead we, that we were going to not provide on-site staff unless they were people we personally knew and vetted, which means we were flying people around and that made it not cost-effective for us. But that was the trade-off we were willing to take because we felt like there's no way we're going to show up at an event and send staff that have no idea what's happening. So then along came you. So that was, was a, when, when you originally called us, I'd tell you like what was nice about the conversation was, okay, you used to work at GiveSmart. You've been doing this a long time. And so you of all people understand how important it is to provide experienced and qualified people to go work these events. And so it became a very different conversation for us to say, yeah, now we feel comfortable that we can train up these 750 staff of yours on the Hambit software and feel good that when they go to an event that it's going to run smoothly. Well, (laughs) I'm not going to say they're always going to run smoothly, (laughs) but at least it won't be because the staff doesn't know what they're doing. Right. Yeah, I think when I came in and definitely when we first spoke, because you were one of the very first people that listened and I came in very, I think 
honest and possibly naive as well. Actually, yeah, now, now I look back and I think very naive. I think anybody that's starting a business, if you knew what was coming your way, you wouldn't do it. So naivety is a good thing <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> but when we first spoke, all I had was my experience and a knowledge of understanding the the pain points in the first place. And I think the the agencies, sorry, the platforms got to a point where they weren't really making any money on their staff. They were sending them out because they were the want was there, you know, the need was there for them and the clients were asking for them. You're losing sales if you don't offer a technician or an expert when on site. But yet the travel costs were so high that you weren't making anything on it. It was just another another sale. Uh, maybe right. even a loss on on some occasions. So not only did I honestly say, look, we we've proven we can learn new platforms. Like I've also been working with each of these individuals for at least the last four years. They've gone through they've gone through all the training that I have done um, as well, and now across two platforms. Um, let's let's try. Like, what's the risk? Even if I am another staffing agency, you've had your bad experience once let, let's try this on a different model with some experienced staff and there aren't many people are there aren't any other agencies that are doing it the way we are doing it because I really don't offer any other industry you know we only do auction. right yeah. so as much as I can't say that our staff don't take other jobs like flipping the Chick-fil-A sign. My my example is always selling shots around the pool in Vegas. And there's absolutely nothing against that. But before they join our team, they have to have had an internal referral from another member of the team and have had auction experience. Well, back then we've gotten to a point now where we've built out our own auction training because I ran out of people that had auction experience I must be close to being able to say that I have spoken to every staff member that could possibly want to work an auction event even if they said no I still tried to rope them in um because right. that auction experience is so valuable and so hard to to come across it is. And it takes a certain personality type, right? And yes. Like we've been to events where we've seen volunteers and said, you ever thought about working events? Because you've got absolutely the personality type that would be perfect for it. And so what is that personality type like? Well, you, you have to have that service-oriented attitude or kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, and think about the type of person checking you in at a hotel, Right. That type of person who's introducing themselves, asking you how your day was, you know, is it knows how to work a computer and a reservation system, obviously, knows how to get you set up, knows how to give you your keys, knows how to tell you where the elevator is, right? Knowing that you're gonna walk away from the desk and you don't want that client like looking around in circles saying where to go next. So all of those types of things wrapped up in a personality that can also handle stress well. Mm-hmm. and kind of work in a fast-paced, fast-changing environment and be able to think on their feet, they're not easy to find. But when we find them, we would recruit them all the time and say, you know, we'd love to have you on our team. Because it is hard, right? And you can't, like, if you, you call up one of these, you know, kind of random staffing agencies who will provide you services for anything, like, it's hard to, to vet that, right? And so events are different, for sure. And, you know, that was something that we found is important. And I, and I guess 
why, why, why are staff important? You know, when we think about this and we get asked this a lot, can I just do this on my own? And the answer is always, yes, you can do it on your own. But the question is, is should you do it on your own and can you do it on your own? Those are the two elements right. you know, that we have to also follow up and ask the client because, you know, yes, you can learn our software. Yes, you can learn any of these mobile bidding platforms. But do you, do you have enough experience and do you understand best practices enough to the point where you realize, like, can I, can I deal with situations as they arise? Can I prevent situations from happening? Because I have so much experience, I realize that putting my check-in desk at the bottom of an escalator or at the top of an escalator is a bad idea. You know, so those types of things, I think, are things that our staff, when they walk in the door, or Lauren, your staff, when they walk in the door, can recognize and say, we need to make some changes here you know, in order to make this experience better. Yeah, I think there's a few reasons why you have staff. I don't think you're, the reason to have staff should ever be, oh, the software is so complicated, right? Because I know our software is, is not complicated. You don't need to hire staff to use Hambit. You don't need to hire staff to use some of these other mobile bidding software. Um, but you do need staff for, sometimes it's a matter of just boots on the ground. It's a small organization. They have one or two staff members and they have a, a small number of volunteers and they just they just need help because they're going to be working in so many other areas. Um, some of the bigger organizations or mid-sized to big, sometimes it's a matter of, we do this event one time a year. Why am I going to focus my energy and my efforts on learning the software so that I can be stuck at check-in when really I should be working on donor relations? Mm-hmm. Right. Let let the experts handle the software and the what ifs and the what what might happen and the being flexible and managing the volunteers and training the volunteers that are going to be working within the platform the night of while you go navigate those those donor relationships. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And then you also have the people that are like, you know what? I put in so much work. I'm ready to just party. I don't want to deal with any of it. <laughs> That's, That's I where party. I feel we for know. them on, on occasion, because there really is so much pre-event that that goes into it and I really admire them because I, I always wanted to be an event planner like that was where this started and now I think my goodness I couldn't it's hard enough just managing the fundraising <laughs> aspect of, of the event never mind mm. like the sponsors the guest list the the tables the entertainment the venue the catering Oof, it's mind-blowing so you've learned oh, so come on Lauren you've probably dealt with that your staff has dealt with that stuff. Come uh, on. You don't think so? Yes. we, we Whether they like it or not. I mean, those are some of the best stories, right? I mean, I'm sure your staff trades stories we do on Tuesdays. I mean, <laughs> I, have like, I have taken the trash out. Yeah. I have. Old silverware. I have. Plunge toilets. Yes. <laughs> replaced toilet paper in the bathrooms. <laughs> like. <laughs> I, you have reminded me of a story once where, um, uh, a guest did come up to a staff with their plate of food and basically say, this is atrocious and handed the plate of food to the staff on a hot plate <laughs> mind, uh, as well and then walked off. So the staff was standing there. I don't know what table you were on. I don't know who you are, where you came from, but I have this plate of food that somebody is unhappy with was just <laughs> walking around. So of course they then see me, I was the event manager at the time what are you doing? Like, why are you carrying around a food plate? We, uh, a plate of food. We do not eat. We're about to start the paddle race. What are you doing? Just like, 
And I meant Scully. Like, I don't know what to do with it. Told me the story. I was like, just going to have to put it on the side. I don't uh, hand it to the catering staff and try and point them in the right direction. But but yes, we do get confused with with catering staff when we are there. But but again, so much planning go goes into that. And then you hire your catering staff, so they are able to to do this. You don't serve your own food uh, at the event. Right. There's lots of things that are delegated out. That is such an insightful statement. What you're saying makes perfect sense. It's like yeah. you don't serve your own food. Why do you feel like you have to check in all of your guests? Right. Maybe it doesn't take a lot of training to walk around with a tray of food and offer people. OK, you probably do need to have a little bit of a personality and whatnot. But um, it does take a little bit more skill to properly check somebody in, or I even think to be the person. I I don't like statues in the auction area, right? If I have staff in the auction area, like I want them interacting with the guests. Almost I want, salesy without being salesy. A little bit. And just making sure that, hey, you know, look, I see you're on the front. Do you have any questions about how to bid, sir? No, I'm good. Thank yeah. you. You know, that kind of stuff. Because what you don't want is the person who comes up at the end of the night and is like, I couldn't bid all night because I didn't know how to use this thing. You know, blah, blah, blah. This is the worst. It's like, well, why didn't you ask somebody? Well, because, you know, they'll look and say, oh, I didn't see anybody in the auction area. Oh, that was the two statues in the corner that we hired that didn't move all night with their iPads and chatted with each other. <laughs> the two statues. <laughs> right. No, we we tell our staff, and, and obviously you tell your staff, when you're in that auction area, your job is to make sure people don't have any questions. Right. Or, you know, maybe it is to replace the fork and knife at their table. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. We all, we all want to be helpful. People people will ask us, people ask us, what do, what do you do and what don't you do? And I always say, well, we don't roll your silverware, but if somebody needed some silverware rolled, you'd probably see me out there rolling it. A lot of direction as well. Talk about having people in mm-hmm. the the auction area yes it's beneficial and how to use the the technology but i feel like that is where volunteers could be most valuable because they're the ones that know the items know the donors and that's where the interaction is and usually we've given them a briefing of how to use the the technology on their phone however i would prefer it and i always tell our staff i don't want the donors being in the main room not knowing what they just signed up for what did i just give my mobile number Right. Oh, right. What? 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 Right. Oh, you've received a text message to your phone, or you've downloaded an app that you're going to get notifications from. Why? Check-in shouldn't be that frantic that they can't ask these types of questions at the door before they even go into that area. We know it's fast-paced, but we can show you quickly. Get out your phone for me. Here you go, and and off you go because that knowledge should just roll off the tongue. It should be that simple. To, for the staff to be able to tell them what you're here for this evening. No, okay, we don't know about your the meal or no, whatever your, your meal choice is. But our collective staffs are trained to do that, right? Yeah. You know, our collective staffs are trained to do that, and so they understand that. They also understand when they walk in the door whether or not they're going to have any logistical issues with check-in just by looking at the environment and knowing that. It's like, oh, okay, well – the way you've organized this is going to be a mess because I've been to places, Lauren, where you had to walk down a hall, check in, and then walk back out of that hall to go to the venue. And, of course, my question is, is why is this a good idea? Like, I'm, I'm not sure, like, just thinking about how things flow, why this would make sense. Well, know? that's where the the event expert comes into place. That's it's, right. It is not just about the technology. It is 
being able to look at it objectively and say, okay, this is going to create a bottleneck here. Yes. What about this? What about this? Right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, re- in one event. We've rearranged. We've rearranged check-in and got rid of tables and said, we want tall tables. We want to do a tiered check-in. Forget the, forget the three eight foot tables up against a wall down this hallway. That's not, that's just going to create a line out the front door. And it did. Yeah. Well, we did one event where when you walked in, you had to walk past the first bar to get to the check-in area. I said, oh, this is going to be an utter failure. <laughs> How many checked all in? at the bar. Yes, of course. <laughs> no, no one's checked in. Someone would be like, hey, at least you go check us all in. I'll get us drinks at the bar, right? Yeah, like, you can't do that. Yeah, never, never a good idea. But that's the stuff that, you know, you, like as a experienced trained staff, you quickly realize. Right. You know, but. And their intentions are good when they, when they initially, the, you know, the charity, the, the organization, their intentions yeah. are good. I mean, I understand why. They want them to grab a drink on their way in. That all makes sense. But they don't think about the, the behavior that you're going to be it, seeing. Incentivizing. Incentivizing, yes. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Lauren. So because, you know, I would say you work for a variety and work with a variety of mobile bidding companies and you've done a lot of events. Do you do you have sort of a theory or at least a, a – I don't know, a position on should I hire one like lead staff from an organization and put the rest in as volunteers or should I hire eight or 10 or 15 or what? Yeah, it's a really tricky one to judge when you're doing that first consulting call, you know, because we don't want to come across that we're, we're pushing as many staff as, as possible. We want to make it right and fit to, to their budgets as well. And, the question that you've got mm-hmm. to ask is, do you have tech-savvy volunteers? Is it the same volunteers that did it last year? Are you using the same technology platform? Again, do you think your your staff can do it? Don't think about cost at the moment. Think about capability. Like, are they able, are they are they capable of being able to, to make it flow? If they are, fine. We right. will lead them well. And we will happily work alongside them. I always say we will go one for one, volunteer staff, volunteer staff, volunteer staff. And they've always got like a buddy next to them that that can help them out. I always advise as well that the event manager doesn't actually partake in the check-in. If we have a large staff or a large number of volunteers, then if there are any questions, it can be dealt with instantly. If a volunteer puts their hand in the air, the event manager is straight over to them as opposed to, oh, I'm dealing with someone myself here. I can't come and help you because I leave the person that I am directly dealing with. So an EM that's almost a floater uh, at the back in order to be able to help. So I would try and mix it up. Um, ask them a few questions about their their capability. We will train them on on the night in the best way possible. All of the platforms out there provide a, a strong volunteer training as well that you can go back to the the platform for. But it's it's a difficult it's a difficult one, it really is. It is, yeah. You know, and I think it's gotten better. I mean, I would say, yeah, years ago, especially when we were up against some of our direct competitors, you know, the the gestures or the five hundred ones of the world, they were big on bringing a lot of staff. And so I remember at one point, you know, we we had somebody call us up and say, "Hey, we're interested in in getting a quote from you, but I need you to match exactly what this other provider is providing. We're going to have like five hundred people, which is, I'd say, a, a mid sized event." Okay, 500 people, and they're bringing 15 staff, 
and I get to go down the list. I'm like, 15? What do you need 15 staff or 500 people? I said, do you have any volunteers? She's like, well, we do, but I don't know. Like, I said, do they know how to use a laptop? She's like, I think I could find some. I said, well, why don't we just bring four? I'll bring you four really good people, and you find me 11 really good, or I would just say tech-savvy people, and we'll save you a lot of money, and it'll be better. I don't know. You know, I mean, and the point is, is it is hard. It is tricky because I think in this particular case, they had gotten quotes from so many companies that wanted to send so many people, you know, it just looked odd, you know, for someone to come in and say, you don't need that many, you know, but this day and age, it's few and far between where we're sending more than just a couple of people. And these are for events sometimes that have 1500 people in them, Mm -hmm. you know, so because we're sending you know, and, and I would say, hey, look, we're going to send you two event leads. Okay. We're going to send you two really, really good, experienced people that honestly are worth four people each. But you give me five or six people or eight people to go with them and we'll, we'll make it, you know, run very smoothly, you know, kind of thing. So do you see more of that now these days as well? Or do you still see events where there's a ton of staff showing up? We still have some larger events with, with a lot of staff. We've, we do like especially this year even as opposed to last year I think we were still just off the back of the pandemic last year and the the big events are now are now back um eight to ten staff is a normal for some of the the big ones with like two thousand plus attendees right but we're still doing the the one event manager on site and assisting with with volunteers I think I want to say our average staff, I think, last time I looked at it, was three and a half to 3.5 people. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> on that sounds way more reasonable, I would think. You know, I'm just, as as a as advice to our listeners, just make sure you have, depending on the size of your event, you have one or two extremely experienced, good lead staff. Pay for them. They are worth it. They can get a lot of work done. And, you know, even I even have personal experience with this. I mean, we brought on a client who does about 1,500 people roughly every year in D.C. And the first year that they worked with us, we brought eight. Now we bring two, six or seven years later, because they've, they get it now and they understand what their volunteers need to do. And they really just need one person in check-in who is running the show and one person in the bidding auction area running the show and that's it you know because once you get through 1500 people and check in it everything kind of runs pretty smoothly but you know i think it's that's another thing whereas over time we kind of see this pendulum i don't know if you've ever seen this lauren it's like in the beginning i want all this staff and then i realize it costs a lot of money so can i kind of whittle that down i'll bring in more of my volunteers i'll use you know maybe just a couple of experts and then boom i turn around and i'm so done <laughs> doing anything at an event, I want it all outsourced. So bring all the staff back, mm-hmm. which ironically is my event. I was just going to say, that sounds like your event. Yes. Well, I mean, and w- trust me, we were the staff at my first event. <laughs> no, no offense to us, but, but, um, but yeah, we're, we're at a point now where we feel like as a team, a, I don't want handmade staff working Jeff's event. So, but B it's like, we want our most experienced people that run the event dealing with donors and donor relations and VIP area, and we don't want them checking in guests anymore. So, yeah, I think 
I think my favorite line is stay in your lane. I think though, a long time ago, it was, you needed that many people. You needed eight or 10 staff because the software was so complicated. I think software has really improved over the years mm-hmm. and it's it's just not as necessary anymore. I think people's, um, I think people's adoption too. of the software has improved yeah. over time. You know, and I go back, Lauren, 2012, 2013, where people were not used to giving you their credit card. They were not prepared when they walked in the door, you know. And so the conversations at check-in were quite different, <laughs> you know, where you're not only, like, welcoming, welcoming them to the event, you're literally explaining to them why they need to give you their name and their email address and their cell phone number. <laughs> I don't I don't see as much of that anymore. People are kind of used to it now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I well, I like to say yes, and then someone asked my colleague the other week if we still saw that, and she said, "Oh yes, we still see it all the time at the big LA events." So I said, "Oh, you kind of surprised me a bit there." If people saying, "Why do you need? Why do you need my credit card? Why do you need these details from me?" So I assume it's more of a security conscious thing. Um, but yeah, so I yeah maybe. Maybe in California, maybe it is because you would not expect California to be, you know, kind of behind the times on this stuff. So I do think there's a little bit of that um, because, you know, in a lot of the events we do, I would say, especially middle of the country, they're very trusting people. And so there's not, I mean, one guy at one event, I was freaking me out. Like I'm at the table talking to him and he's trying to pay for a live auction item. We're on, And he says, you know what? He said, I don't want to use this card. Take this card, go over to that other table over there, give it to my wife and come back with her credit card and let's use that. <laughs> I was like, you want me to walk your credit card over here? Yeah, yes, that's what I want you to do. I mean, you don't see that in a lot of places, but every once in a while you do. I mean, some of the events we do, people are just very, they're kind of very into it. But yeah, I would think in LA, it's probably more of the, who are you and why do you want my information? Yeah, I think so. More, I think yeah. luckily what we don't get anymore, and this is going back to my UK days, and they'd be like, oh, I, I don't have my mobile with me. Can I give you my landline? I'm like, I don't think you understand yeah. the concept <laughs> of what we're trying to I had one of those Saturday night. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. I was like, this number isn't working. What? I said, what is this number? She goes, that's my home phone. I'm like, oh, honey, that's not going to work. <laughs> I can't send you the text to that number. Yeah. We see a lot less of that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that have changed over time with, you know, I would say events and check-in and kind of user adoption, everything from will I or will I not use an app to why do you want my card to I didn't bring my phone. I left my phone in the car. Who leaves mm-hmm. their phone in the car? Like every so, now and then, every now and then I get it, but usually their spouse rare. has their phone. It's pretty rare. Every now and then I still see it, but yeah. I think people are kind of used to it, you know, and, but I mean, again, like going back to, you know, comfort with staff, you know, for our, our charity listeners on the, on the call who are saying, should I, or should I not have staff at an event? You know, what's nice is that these staff you hire, if you're going to hire them from us, or you're going to hire them from Lauren they've heard all of these questions before and they're trained on how to answer them. Okay. Everything down to why do you want my credit card? You know, because sometimes those aren't easy to answer, but I'll tell you what, like I, I would rather 
make sure that the staff has that answer than to have volunteers or not, or even representatives from the charity up front trying to answer it instead. Honestly, because you actually have some plausible deniability, you know, if you've got a donor who's frustrated, he had to give up his credit card number, you know. So anyway, I just think that it gives you a little bit more leeway and comfort as a charity to know you've got a, a skilled organization that's going to get you that number. You need that information, right? Mm-hmm. And so you need someone who's going to have the courage to do it. And I don't always think volunteers do. Right. I think that, you know, it, you know, going back to like event experts and then we're talking about volunteers and the type of person you want to have a volunteer if you need to do both both volunteers and check-in staff. But, you know, what you're looking for is the confidence and the outgoing nature of that person to be able to explicitly answer those questions and... And handle pushback. Pushback. Strong. Yeah. Confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a volunteer at an event, Lauren, who's decided that she just didn't feel comfortable anymore asking for email addresses and names because people seemed annoyed. So she just started handing out paddle numbers as they walked in the door and not getting their info. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I, that, I that's, think that's, that's why when someone raised paddle 500 in the air, we had no idea who they were. Like, but it, it's so crucial. Like we're laughing mm-hmm. because we know how devastating that could actually be. And I think that's another, the value of staff, because we understand the auction. You understand why you need the name, why you need the contact details, and why that paddle number has to match what's in the system. Otherwise, right. you're just telling someone to do something without that right. that underlying understanding. They have no, she had no idea that she could have lost the charity thousands that night. And imagine how she felt afterwards knowing that she'd done that wrong. You know, they're there out of the goodness of their heart because they're volunteers. They, they are. are there for free. Yeah. They do not want right. to hinder the experience. They want to help. So that lack of understanding, yeah, that, that's, it's actually a real shame. It's really sad, you know, for for her. To, but if she'd have known, she never would have done that. Right. Exactly right. So that is another, like, we'll, we'll kind of end on this point, but as you're thinking about should I or should I not have staff, if you feel like your your staff or your volunteers are going to struggle kind of holding the line with guests that push back, I would say trained third-party staff is is the way to go. It really is. Now, I'm not saying that because you're giving them a license to be rude or mean to your guests. You're not. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that they understand the importance of making sure that that check-in is done where that user has an email address, phone number, a credit card on file, and an accurate paddle number because not just because it's going to help them get the right data into the system, but to your point, if I have no idea who these 10 paddle numbers are and they all gave $500 each, good luck on figuring out who they are. No, it's you're five not, grand. <clears throat> you're not. Mm-hmm. So important. All right, well, let's wrap up here. Um, Lauren, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you about staffing at events. And um, I will tell you, it's been a pleasure as well working with your staff um, amongst our staff as well. So it is nice to know that out there around the country, there are um, – I would just say a number of qualified trained staff that we can rely on, our clients can rely on who are running their events. So thank you for that for sure. Thank you for having me. And yeah, thank you for working with us. I think we've got um, a great team built out as far as the, the handbid team. We get some great feedback on the, on the software 
as well. Of course, the the more intuitive it is and the easier it is, the more the staff are going to appreciate it because you said they've got a lot more that they have to handle as well. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that's always a work in progress, right? For all of us as mobile bidding providers out there, we're, we're not blind, you know, to the feedback we get, right? We want that feedback from anybody to make sure that we make that guest experience be better and better every time. But I will tell absolutely. you what what absolutely makes an event run the smoothest is not just the software. Right. It's the people helping you operate it. So keep that in mind. I get it. Staffing is not cheap. Um, I think it's an incredible investment, especially if you're thinking about how can I take my paddle raise from 50K to 100 to 150K. It's important to know that as well. Yeah, of course. So. All right. Well, Let's wrap up this episode of Elevate Your Event Podcast. Thank you guys for uh, listening in. If you are on Spotify, Apple, or any other places where you listen to podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Um, Check us out on YouTube as well. And until we meet again, happy fundraising.